Hello and welcome to Project Amplify, the podcast where we believe that even the smallest conversations can have the biggest impact. Today's guest is Lori Gustafson. Lori has many different jobs, but I know her as the mindfulness coach at my school. Do you have someone in your life who, after you talk to them, no matter how you were feeling when the conversation started, or even what the conversation was about, you always leave just feeling more calm, more centered? That's Lori for me. She has years of experience with mindfulness and has helped me see that all the stereotypes I had about it are wrong. And you're just going to have to trust me when I say that I wasn't an easy person to convince. If you're someone who already sees the positive things about mindfulness, this conversation is for you. If you're someone who hears the word mindfulness and rolls their eyes, this conversation is also for you. I hope hearing Lori talk about how big the definition of mindfulness can be helps you see that you're probably already practicing it and you didn't even know. Here we go. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey with mindfulness? Because, I mean, I teach fifth graders and I know that sometimes kids hear the word mindfulness and they just have like a really strong negative reaction. I was one of those kids, but I think through you, I've come to learn that mindfulness has a bigger definition than what I realized. When I heard mindfulness, I would think meditation and having to sit with your thoughts. And that was really hard for me. So can you tell us a little bit more about what meditation can actually be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sorry, mindfulness can actually be. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you bring that up because that was kind of my idea of it as well, that you had to sit still, that you were supposed to like not have a lot of thoughts, you're always supposed to be calm, that kind of thing. And then over the years, I learned that it's really paying attention to how things are and not trying to change it. We, you know, being present for what's happening and doing it, I'm going to say doing it on purpose. So when I am listening to someone and I am really aware that I am listening to that person, maybe even aware that, okay, I got distracted. I'm no longer listening to that person. I can catch myself in that moment and then bring my attention back to that person. And that's a moment of mindfulness right there. When I'm feeling whatever emotion that might be coming up because I just heard some terrible news or some great news, can I pay attention to what is actually happening like in my body and learning from that? So it's not about just being calm at all. I mean, it's great when I feel calm and I can pay attention, but what happens when I feel agitated, when I feel irritated? Can I pay attention to that? What can I learn from it? And it's all part of it. When I started to develop that bigger understanding of mindfulness, that just opened it up to everything that I do. Coming to this definition of mindfulness for myself was over the course of 20 years. And it keeps changing, you know? And and I used to think, okay, I'd have to do a practice, which meant, okay, I'm going to sit for 30 minutes and then just really pay attention with a lot of kindness to what's happening. And that's great when I can do that. But sometimes just sitting down for one minute 
can be enough to kind of calm that nervous system enough so that I can uh, feel what's happening and respond in a different way. So I used to have such a tight, narrow view of it. And it's once again, really opened up. Um, yeah, somebody, I just was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and they were saying like, man, your house is always so clean. And <laughs> um, I know what a big problem to have, but I realized it's through working with you, I've realized that like cleaning is part mm -hmm. of my mindfulness practice. Like if I feel myself getting agitated or feeling stressed about something or just like, you know, when your mind latches onto an idea and you just start spiraling in a negative, in a negative way, I get out my vacuum and I vacuum and it helps me just come right back to the present. But cleaning is definitely not something that would have been in my definition of, of what mindfulness could be, but when you're thinking about how mindfulness is just like you were saying, purposeful centering of yourself, I think it's really cool to think of how you're already practicing mindfulness, mm -hmm. but you might not have known that that's what it is. And it can, yeah, it can come in any form. So being outside, walking, and, you know, rather than having that walk take you away, just really paying attention to what's happening outside or playing soccer, playing any sports, swimming is oftentimes one that people um, talk about because there's just getting in that pool and feeling the water and then start moving through the water. Cooking for some people can really help kind of center, help calm them down. Um, and it's, I think of it as just this gentle interruption of maybe that spinning all the thoughts that might be spinning about something, uh, some story or the worries or what. And it's a gentle interruption of it. And it takes a lot of practice. It's building it a muscle. It is. And I think what I've always appreciated when you come and work with our classes, the focus is more on the feelings in our bodies and mm -hmm. giving a name to it. And you also talk a little bit about the science behind like parts of the brain and why you might blow your top over something or right. um, like I didn't have those kind of classes when I was growing up. I wish I had because what you're doing is giving kids the vocabulary and an understanding of why their bodies are doing what they're doing. And it kind of makes it less scary. Mm -hmm. I, I know that I hated feeling angry. It took me until my 20s to be like, oh, anger is okay for me to feel because I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't know why it was happening. But I think that the more kids just get a better understanding of the way our body works. And like we were saying before, like it's normal to feel these things, the more power we're giving them to make better decisions based on their feelings. I think it's really important. It's really, what you're doing is really, really important. I mean, for me, it's, it's been life-changing for me. And so to be able to share it um, in a way that is meaningful, you know, and I'm always trying to find ways in because I also understand that um, there can be a lot of pushback, you know, or, or whatever we want to say, pushback, resistance, like, no, I don't want to do that. And it can be a little scary to start paying attention in that way. Can't make assumptions that people are going to really want this, embrace this, understand it. But over time, something can happen. And, you know, 
some, my friend Nemo Patel says, we're always just planting seeds and we might not even see um, what's gonna grow from those seeds until much later, right? Well, thanks for, for doing what you do. Um, the last question I have for you, what do you amplify in your life? I'm going to, I just, I think I've said this word a few times, this whole idea of, of listening and this idea of listening to each other, because there is such a tendency to have an us against them, uh, we versus, you know, they, and what happens when we take the time to step back and really listen. And then the change that can happen, or maybe the action that comes from that. So I feel like understanding that, you know, we all want to matter. And I have to understand that. Even with someone who I don't agree with, we all want to matter. We all want to belong. I know you don't think you're an inspiration, but you are. So thank you for doing what you do and for joining us today. Well, I was happy to be happy to be here. I'm right here at the school. It kind of feels good to be here today. And just, I always love talking to you too. So thank you so much for inviting. Isn't Lori great? She has so much insight into how our bodies work and how so much ties back to our emotions. I hope you see that mindfulness doesn't just have to be sitting still and meditating. For some people, that works and good for them. For others, mindfulness can look very different, and that's fine too. Figuring out what works for you to center yourself isn't something that's going to happen overnight. But if, like Lori says, you're purposeful with the practice of noticing your feelings, that's a huge step. So here's this episode's challenge. The next couple of times you feel yourself having a strong emotion, name it. Is it anxiety, excitement, trepidation, look that word up, fear? Is it easy for you to name what you're feeling? I truly think the more we can name our emotions, the more power we have over them. Mindfulness can really help with that practice. Until next time, stay curious and be kind. (music) 